0: O grace to you and peace from our God and Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, dear friends, uh, perhaps this morning we still remember what it was like to be young. It was kind of a, a curious thing that, that happened to me while I was driving the bus this week. A little girl in the fifth grade came up to me and she said, you know, bus driver, how old are you? And I said, well, I'm pretty old. <laughs> and she said, "Oh, no, re- really, how, how old are you? And I said, well, I'm, I just turned 58. So I'm 58. And she says, you know, I wish I was 58, so I didn't have to go to school anymore. And I said, no, you, you probably don't wish that you were 58. You know, you, you get about 55, right? You kind of start to lose some strength, and you start to make more visits to the doctor, and, you know, being o- over 55 maybe is, is not so good. I think you should be happy at the age that you are. But it really kind of set me to to reminiscing. You know, I can remember when I was in the fifth grade and and, and that was really probably a pretty good time for a lot of us, wasn't it? You know, you you could run through the fields without being winded, right? And you probably didn't have a lot of aches and and pains and, you know, you could do all these kinds of activities and get up the next morning and not even feel it, you know? If I had to run across the backyard I'd probably tear a couple of muscles and be in cast for you know weeks to come, right? You get to that age. Well remember what it's like to be young, don't we? To have that kind of a, a strength of body, yes, even a, a kind of strength of character because you know, again, hopefully at that age you're, you're not being tempted. Right all that much, you don't have a you know bad influences you know probably around you for most of us at least you know we grew up in pretty nice homes and we had good friends and we had secure schools and we had you know teachers that cared about us and we know what it's like to feel strong, don't we? But, uh, dear friends, one of the, the problems with uh, feeling strong, feeling like we're okay, feeling like we're we're protected and, and we're safe, you know, you, well, pastor, what are you talking about? What could be a problem with that? Well, the problem becomes that we start to depend on ourselves, don't we? And we we perhaps, you know, start to think that, yes, I can handle it no, no matter what comes my way I can deal with it you see. I can go through the day and nothing will overwhelm me I can go out into this world and meet my daily tasks that I have to accomplish and your friends the, the problem is as we begin to depend upon ourselves we're not looking to God, aren't we? And in fact, then, if I begin to to fail a little bit in some area, if I I begin to not be able to accomplish the thing that I thought that I could, it's real easy for me to not say, I've sinned, I need to come back to God, but rather, you know, we we would say, oh, maybe it's not that important Maybe that, that thing that doesn't matter so much anymore. The the world is kind of a different place. You know, maybe the thing that I did just to fit in with the group is acceptable now. Now, our text for today, we, we heard a little bit about peer pressure, didn't we? We had a, a little bit of, of that coming from our Lord and Savior, who tells us that there were many people who believed in him, but for fear of the religious authorities, they, they kept it to themselves. For fear of being cast out of the synagogue, they remained quiet, you see. And, and that's just old-fashioned peer pressure, isn't it? You know, the, the young people get together, and one of them comes up with an idea to do something that you and I would consider to be inappropriate, and they begin to pressure one another, and they go out into the world, and they, you know, do that thing, and then maybe you confronted them, and they say, well, what's the big deal? But there, there are three or four other kids that were doing that. And, and, and you know, I have to survive junior high school. Well, I have to survive middle school, right? That's what they call it today. Or I have to survive high school. I have to be able to get through, you know, that time. Come on, mom and, and dad. Come on, aunt and uncle. Come on, grandma and grandpa. You have to understand, see, I have to survive. And it's not a sin. No, no, we we would never say that, would we? I just have to be able to make it through, you see. And so sometimes there there have to be compromises, right? And that's always how people argue, isn't it? As we're we're going through our, our liturgy, I want to take you back today because our liturgy is so important. In that, it it maps out our entire life in God. You see, our entire life in God, it starts with our repentance, doesn't it? You know, the, the service begins, and we first of all confess our sins, don't we? We confess that we weren't strong enough and that we weren't good enough and that no matter how well our parents raised us, there were times perhaps when we failed, that there was a peer pressure <coughs> and maybe we caved in at times, that people were doing wrong things around us and we just kind of wanted to go with the flow and we didn't want to speak out because we might be cast from the group, you say, <clears throat> And so we began our life in Christ by confessing. Really one of the reasons, the uh, most important perhaps, that we confess is that it, it indicates that I need Jesus. Because, you know, when I was in the fifth grade and, and I was strong and my, my body was, you know, fully functional and everything was going well and my parents were raising me right and I was in the church. I probably would not have come to you at that time and said, you know what? I really need Jesus. Because I've you know, would have I was pretty okay. I'd never stolen anything. I hadn't murdered anyone, you know. And I, I didn't watch bad TV shows. My my mom and dad sheltered me and they made sure bad influences weren't around. And I was in the church every Sunday and I was in Sunday school and my teachers were, were good to me and there was no evil around me. The, the community I, I grew up in, no one even got murdered there until I was like in the sixth grade. See, I grew up in a really good place. And so I, if, if you can you know, go back in time and you can talk to, to you know, little Joe Crosswhite who's in the fifth grade and, and you say, you know, do, do you really need Jesus? I, I, you know, maybe would have shrugged my shoulders or, or not really know what you're talking about. Because I was, you know, pretty okay. But it's only when we begin to fail, it's only when the, the peer pressure, you know, begins to, to warp us. It's only when we've fallen into sin and can admit it It's only when I can come to the church and I can say, Lord, be merciful to me, a poor, sinful being. It's only when I can make that statement that I really have come to understand I need a Savior. I need to be forgiven of my sin. And the the reason I kind of keep talking about it is because that is the starting point, isn't it? It's only when you really come to understand that you have sinned, that you have fallen short, that you require salvation, that you need Jesus to die upon the cross so your sin can be forgiven. It's only when you take that first step that the Christian life begins to flow through you. you see, it's the beginning point. We don't want to just remain there, though, do we? We don't want to just be locked forever within that confession of our sin, but we want to move on to a fuller Christian life. As Lutherans, maybe that's kind of easy to remain locked in that place, though, isn't it? Because Martin Luther himself was there for many, many years. As you examine the life of Martin Luther, as you begin to explore that history, you find that you know for years he's beating himself up for for years he's believing he's not quite getting it he's not really repenting enough you know if he can just kind of you know crawl through broken glass to get to the goal he attempted that you know and he went to rome if I, if I can just kind of get to that place where i begin to earn a little bit of my salvation he he believed And then finally comes the revelation. You're saved by grace through faith, and that's not of yourself. It's a gift of God through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And with that revelation, Martin Luther then begins to blossom and flourish, doesn't he? with that wonderful gift of God, with that wonderful understanding that I need a Savior and the Savior came for me. And it wasn't anything that I did. And and it wasn't that I, I did my penance and it wasn't that I was in a monastery and it wasn't that I traveled to Rome and I visited the holy places, but rather it was because God loved me first and because Jesus died for me while I was still a sinner. And once we get through that first part, once we can confess, once we acknowledge we need Jesus, then the Christian life begins, doesn't it? And what's really the, the first thing that, that we began to do then with, within the Christian life, having confessed our sins, ha- having understood that Jesus died for me? I I then began to study the Holy Scriptures, don't I? Because I want to find out what this God is like. I want to understand what his commands are for my life. I want to not just even have the the surface reading, but I want to get down to the root principles. What does God really want my life to be like? Boy, what what does he want me to be doing? How how does he want me to act when I'm with other people? What are God's expectations? And so we begin to read from the holy books, don't we? And every Sunday, right, we have an Old Testament lesson because that, that's the history that that's where you know we came from. We we have a reading from the epistles. Right, those are the letters that the original apostles wrote to the various churches that they served. And so we, we want to know something from the past and we want to know, you know something about the teachings of those who followed Jesus. And then, of course, we go to the gospel lesson. And the gospel lesson often contains the words of our Lord and Savior, don't they? And so hearing from those, you know, three sources of historical perspective, the the perspective of pastors who served in various churches, the perspective of of our Lord and Savior, you know, we then begin to have a little bit of knowledge over the years, And then we sing a hymn, don't we? The the Lord tells us that we should praise and worship him through hymns and and psalms and spiritual songs. And so we we have our our hymns and and sometimes Bill volunteers to play for us and we have a spiritual song. We have this wonderful opportunity that we can respond to the Lord. The Lord's word comes to us and we respond with worship to our Lord. And then the, the pastor gets up and he begins to, to give a sermon. And, and hopefully, you know, the, the sermon connects with you in some ways. Hopefully there's at least little, little bits and pieces or, you know, there's a, a little span of time in there when, you know, you hear some spiritual truth. You begin to, to maybe be able to, to put some pieces together. Or you hopefully get a little bit of, of inspiration, or are you begin to think about maybe some problems you have and, and ways that you can solve them, or begin to try at least in the coming week. No, it, it really is is always the the saddest when you think about you know the people that, that come to church and, and they say you know within themselves, okay, I I confess. And then, you know, we, we did the, the hymn, and I, I joyfully responded, but then, you know, the, the pastor's sermon, it was going kind of long, and so I started to think about ways I could sin in the coming week. It's like, no, right, that's not where we're supposed to be that we can hear that word of God and we can begin to to contemplate how it all comes together and we can begin to understand what I need to change in my own life and I can begin to maybe formulate plans for how I can be a better Christian, you see. That should really be the, the purpose of the sermon. And then the the sermon is through and we've heard and we've learned and, and we've praised God and we come to the prayers, don't we? Because a prayer truly is the way that we talk to God. It's the way that you and I should depend upon to get through these coming weeks in our lives, shouldn't it? Uh, uh, Again, you know, people sometimes say, well, you know, if if God has it all planned out and, and, you know, we're we're just here going through the motions, what is really the purpose of prayer? Can prayer really make a difference? You know, if, if God sitting on his heavenly throne has everything just kind of laid out, Pastor, why should I pray? Yeah, well, we, we've been there before, haven't we? You know, God certainly was in control in the beginning. He made the heavens and the earth and all things uh, therein. He made them very good. And God promises certainly he will be in control in the end. Right? God, God himself, he lets us know he's in control of the heavens. But in this current age, right, Satan can come at us, can't he? Satan is in this world. Satan can do evil things to us at times. What is the purpose of prayer? The purpose of prayer is, you know, that we can get close enough to God that we can ask God to make changes, right? Right? that we can pray to our heavenly Father and he will help us. That he will help us get through hard times, that he will even change those hard times. That is truly the purpose of prayer. When Jesus came to the disciples and the disciples said, well, how should we pray? Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Well, what's that mean? It means his kingdom isn't here yet. We're praying that God's kingdom would come. That God's kingdom would come to my home. That he would come to to my own heart. That, That God's kingdom would come to my community. That God's kingdom would come to our world. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, God's in control of heaven. Right? God's will is always done in heaven. We pray in the Lord's prayer that his will would be done on earth. Just the same as it's being done in heaven. But see, Jesus lets us know we we have to pray for those things. We have to be active in our prayers. We have to be using our prayers to ask God to make changes. Now, if you, you prayed and, and prayed fervently that God would make some change and that the change didn't come, you know, guess what? You you have to be able to ask God to help you through that thing, that 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 event, that that calamity, you know, that that um t- catastrophe that has struck at you. You prayed and, and prayed that there would be a, a, a change, that there's no change. You know, sometimes we have to simply pray, Lord, carry me. Lord, help me through this difficult time. Lord, give me the the strength to be able to stand in the midst of this persecution. Dear friends, you know, that's exactly how our Savior prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. We're going to see that coming up once again here. You know, Holy Week is upon us. You know, we come to Monday, Thursday, our Lord and Savior, on that Thursday night, he goes into the garden and he prays with all of his might. We're told it was as if great drops of blood even came from his forehead as he prayed. And he prays, Father, if it be possible, let this pass from me see, uh, dear friends, Jesus was a, a person just like you and I. Have you, you were faced with a, a horrible, violent death, you knew it, it was coming tomorrow, you knew that you were going to go through terrible agony, that you would be crucified, you would be suspended upon a cross with spikes driven through your hands and your feet, right? You, you'd be praying the same way, right? Lord, let it pass. Lord, you know, send your angels to protect me. Lord, don't don't let this befall me. And Jesus prayed that that very same way. Lord, if it be possible, let this pass from me. But then as the the true son of God, he said, Nevertheless, (laughs) not my will, but yours. Be done. See. And dear friends, that's the, the very same way that you and I ought to pray. Lord, I I, I see that this thing on the horizon. I, I see that this thing coming. Lord, the, this has befallen me. You know, please make it better. Please, you know, make it go away. Don't don't make me go through this. But nevertheless, Not my will, but yours be done. If you can't take it away, help me get through it. If there's some reason you're not going to make the change, carry me through this time. If for whatever reason this has to happen so you can be glorified, Lord, support me. During These days. That's the prayer. And we need that prayer so very much because we can, in fact, change the mind of God. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about that, if you've thought about that in your prayer life at all, but Moses changed the mind of God. And he did it through his prayers. Now, you you might say, well, Pastor, I don't really feel like a Moses. You know, Moses, he must have been a really special guy and, you know, he had all that experience with the the Lord and and he had, you know, the the Lord guiding and, and leading him. But still, Moses changed God's mind and he did it through prayer. See, that's how effective prayer can be. We need to get to that point though, don't we? (coughs) We need to be able to be those kinds of people that can call on our Heavenly Father, that have that kind of experience, that kind of a background, that relationship with him. You get there by repenting. And you get there by understanding that you are forgiven. And you get there by studying that word of God. You get there by singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs. You get there by that kind of a progression until you're finally at that place where you can pray to your heavenly Father who hears you, who makes changes for you at times simply because you ask, who at the very least helps you through difficult trials and difficulties, who holds you in his hand. And then, dear friends, we come to the end of our service, don't we? We have our our prayers and we've sung our songs. We've experienced the forgiveness. We've had some teaching. And the pastor simply lifts up his hand and he says, may the Lord bless you and keep you.
1: And may the Lord make
0: his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord look upon you with his favor and give you peace. Oh, maybe you haven't been at the deathbed of a, a loved one very often. Maybe you haven't been there when the pastor perhaps comes for the, the last visit in a, a hospital. You know, things have been kind of different and kind of changed with all the COVID regulations and, and difficulties even getting into the hospitals. But from the ancient days, the pastor would, would come. He would have a, a little bit of a liturgy. He would maybe have a, a little bit of a devotion. He, he would sit with the person at, at their deathbed. He would you know read from the Psalms, those wonderful, comforting words of our Lord. And then the pastor gives the benediction for countless thousands of people. You know, that is then the, the last visit that they have with the pastor. They hear those words for the very last time. It hasn't happened to me very often, but there, there was one time when I, I pronounced those words and, and I left it and I was told that within two minutes that person passed away in the hospital. No, really, dear friends, the close of our service is then the close of our earthly life. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and give to you his peace. And so then we come to the conclusion And we depart and we go our ways, but we carry within us our Lord and Savior, don't we? We carry within us that confidence that we're forgiven, that we no longer have to be good enough, that we no longer have to be strong enough because our Lord is all of that for us. And with that weight lifted from our shoulders, with our sins forgiven, we can sing those songs and those hymns and those spiritual songs to our Lord. And we can study our Bibles throughout the week and gather more knowledge of His holy word. We can go to Him in prayer. Asking him as a a little child in the fifth grade would ask his mom or dad for good things to come. We can expect that God will make changes if, if he can and help us. But most of all, we can expect that he will carry us through hard times. He will lift us up when we've fallen and skinned our knee. He will, you know, pat us on the back and give us words of encouragement once again. He will even lift us up and and put us on his shoulders and carry us home. For God loves us so much. There's so much friends. That he did not listen to the words of his only son when Jesus prayed, Father, let this pass from me. But rather, for you and for me, God did his will. Amen. Now may the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds now and always. Amen.